Hey there, welcome to Hangry Thoughts, the podcast where we dish out on the best bites on intuitive eating, nurture a healthy relationship with food, and of course, bust some nutrition myths, because fork diet culture. I'm your host, Abby Roberts, non-diet intuitive eating dietitian and an ADHD girly, here to guide you through a joyful journey towards feeling amazing in your own skin and enjoying all foods. Join me as we navigate the world of food with a fresh perspective where guilt-free nourishment and mindful eating take center stage. Together, we'll tackle the myths that may leave you feeling a little hangry or hungry for the real facts. So grab your fork, your favorite snack, and let's dive into the Hangry Thoughts podcast because it is time to embrace a vibrant, satisfying, and empowered approach to food and wellness. Welcome to the second episode of Hangry Thoughts. I am currently sitting in my closet recording this (laughs) because everywhere that I go out in the house, it's either like there's wind, my two cats, Griffin and Ralph, are making God knows what kind of noises. Um, I can hear my neighbor outside doing yard work or because, of course, it's what the second day of fall when I'm recording this, um, Seattle just decided to open the floodgates and just pour down rain. (laughs) So that being said, um, yes, I am sitting on the floor of my closet. Uh, If you could see me right now, if I had a video going, you would probably think this looked pretty weird. It kind of (laughs) does, but I got a pillow. We're kind of comfortable, just a little squished. Um, But besides that, I'm doing good. Um, I'm excited to keep chatting with y'all and bringing some new important topics and you know I was thinking more about my first one and I I just want to reiterate this fact that any topic that I share on this podcast I share it because one maybe it's not talked about a whole lot whether that is like between you and your family or your friend group or if it's people that you're seeing on social media but also because these topics need to be talked about for you to see that what you're experiencing is valid, that your lived experiences matter so much. And even if you don't completely resonate with what I'm talking about on this podcast, that is okay. Um, I'm more so talking about these subjects in a pretty broad manner. And for sure, there's going to be episodes that we go more in depth in. But you know, for, for this episode, for the last episode, they they are pretty broad. And I, I do that for a specific reason. I want this to try to appeal to people in all sorts of different body sizes, cultures, backgrounds, um, gender identities, because everyone is welcome here. And it's it's really hard within diet culture because I feel like it really does just target to the thin white woman, right? And so it's really hard when you're stepping outside of that and going, yeah, but that doesn't fit everybody. Not, honestly, most people in the world don't identify in that way. Or when they see the ideal body, which is typically that thin white woman, people go, yeah, but I might never look like that person or I never will look like that person. And that's, that's hard. That is really hard. 
And although, you know, in the first episode and probably in this one too, I, I'm sarcastic at times. I share some humor. I am not trying to do that in a way that is invalidating anyone's experience or the topic. Um, I think sometimes these topics can be very heavy. And especially if you're listening to a podcast of like a certain length, uh, that can become pretty draining. And so I want to try and break it up with some moments where it's like, okay, let's take a breath. Let's kind of step back from this for a second. Because if this is your first time hearing some of these concepts, that can be a lot. Okay. So, all right. That being said, that was a long intro to me just kind of saying, yeah, I'm feeling hangry today. (laughs) Um, I was trying to reel it in to record this episode. And then I was like, girl, it's literally called hangry thoughts. Let's be very candid. Let's just come on here and be hangry. And honestly, the title of this pod is perfect for me, Um, not only because I named it, but because uh, I'm constantly feeling hangry, you know, whether it is legit hunger, um, I'm annoyed at another bullshit nutrition or wellness claim on social media, or if it's stress and frustrations of entrepreneurship, or it's just, dude, it's just adulting in general, like that, that shit makes me hangry. Come tax season, especially as a business owner now, you have to do quarterly taxes. Y'all, I'm not trying to do that. I hardly even know how to do taxes. Now I have to do it like four or five times a year. Huh? God, yeah. So, um, but today, today I am particularly amped about what it means to quote unquote be a healthy eater, which is the topic of today's episode. And I mean, If we just pause on that for a second, what comes to your mind when you think of the word healthy or healthy eating? Is it only eating organic, only eating non-GMO, minimally processed, prioritizing fruits and veggies, eating in moderation, superfoods? Like I could go on all day with this list. (laughs) So whatever it means to you to be a healthy eater, to be eating healthier, I think the first thing that we need to address is this common belief that moderation is key, right? And so many approaches in healthy eating. How many times have you heard someone or yourself say, oh my gosh, you can eat whatever you want and be healthy so long as it's in moderation, right? Like that is forking diet culture. Now, everyone has their own take on what it means to eat in moderation. If it is limiting the amount of food daily, if it's types of food to certain days of the week, something like a cheat meal, um, or especially like a cheat meal on the weekends, it's counting macros because that's going to help you eat in moderation certain foods, but you can still allow foods into your diet. Like all of this is failing or not sustainable for the same reason, that being restriction. But I want to be so clear, going back to what I said in the beginning of this app, this is not your fault. Okay, this is not your fault. Anytime that you have gone on a diet, anytime you have tried a new workout routine, anytime that you have tried cutting out a certain food or food group and it hasn't stuck, it's not your fault. And let me tell you why. Food is a necessity. 
We need it to survive. And I know that that is not like this groundbreaking, revolutionary concept, but it's true. And I think sometimes we forget that. I So much of the time when we're thinking about food, we're thinking, I need to earn my food. I need to burn X amount of calories because I ate X amount of calories. I need to eat more fruits and vegetables because I keep eating like shit, right? Like how many times have we said these things to ourselves and we are so mean to ourselves, especially when it comes to food, health, body image. We have this biological drive to eat food for survival. So one of the reasons when I was coming up with my name for my podcast was, you know, I really liked the word hanger because I felt like it fit in so many different scenarios within, you know, the topics that we're discussing, the way that I'm sharing it at times, or even when we're just talking about the mindset around food, body, movement, etc. We reach that level of hanger and start to eat because our body is trying to get us to eat. In other words, our body feels physically uncomfortable at certain levels of hunger, especially if we're reaching, you know, that period of we're starving, we're overly hungry, we're past a comfortable level of hunger, however you want to term that. We start to either become irritable, have mood swings, have hunger pangs, um, abdominal cramps, feel nausea, dizzy, lightheaded, can't concentrate. And all of those symptoms are our body's way of getting us to eat, to say, hey, we're not feeling good. We need food. Our body wants us to be well-nourished. And typically what happens is we reach this level of extreme hunger and when we start eating our body and our mind isn't necessarily concerned with the type of food that we're eating how much food we're eating because it's like we're so uncomfortable and so so hungry all we can recognize right now is that we need nourishment and when we're at this level of hunger, we're not super connected with our body's cues. So when we start eating, typically that pendulum swings the other way and we go past a comfortable level of fullness. Again, our body is going, we might not know the next time we're going to eat and we don't know the next time we're going to eat till fullness. So we kind of just got to eat whatever we can right now. Our body encourages fullness by promoting these feelings of satisfaction, happiness, better concentration, um, overall just less uncomfortable feelings. But of course that changes when we get to uncomfortable fullness, right? Like we're stuffed, think like Thanksgiving dinner, right? Then again, we might start to feel irritability, stomach pains, mood swings, etc. So intuitive eating Intuitive eating challenges the idea of strict moderation because it encourages individuals to tune into their body's hunger, their fullness, satisfaction cues. It's focusing on honoring cravings, allowing for a variety of foods without judgment, and trusting the body's signals regarding hunger and fullness. And again, 
if and I think you know it it'd be really helpful to do a full episode on hunger and fullness and the reasons why we're feeling certain things or the reasons why um fullness or hunger is uncomfortable um and just better being able to recognize where you might lie on this scale but in short because I think it might be helpful to understand this and piece it all together I typically explain the hunger fullness as a pendulum on a scale so like let's say we're on a scale of one to ten and a one means we are starving like we can't get any hungrier than we are at this moment a five on the scale obviously lies right in the middle and that is neutral like we're neither hungry we're no we're not full maybe it is like 30 minutes an hour following a meal maybe we just had a snack um but like we're we're feeling fine okay we're just kind of hanging out we're good and then a 10 is the very end of that scale And that is that uncomfortable fullness, like following Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe you had like an extra serving after you were already pretty full. Like that's that level of fullness. So going back to what we were talking about earlier, if this is a pendulum, right? If I reach that point of I am so freaking hungry, I am starving, that pendulum is all the way over at that one. So when we start eating, that pendulum will drop or it'll swing over to a 10 because again our body is going whoa 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 we're super hungry why aren't we eating do we have access to food let's get some food right freaking now i gotta eat and we become very uncomfortably full so this might be a binge this might be eating because it just tastes so good this might be we're not feeling super connected with our body maybe we're kind of dissociated and we're just not recognizing any of those cues. Now on the flip side, if we are more of an intuitive eater, if we are listening to our body's internal cues like hunger and fullness, we can recognize those beginning levels of hunger, those beginning levels of fullness. We're not listening to external cues. So external cues might be any food rules that we might have surrounding food like I have to eat within certain times. I can't or I can eat certain foods. Um, I hit my macros for the day. I haven't hit my macros yet, so I need to eat even though I'm full. All of those types of things. So instead, listening to our body and going, oh, yeah, my stomach is starting to rumble or I'm working right now, noticing I'm kind of starting to think about food a little bit more, not feeling as concentrated. Okay, this is beginning levels of hunger for me. And so at that time, maybe let's say we're at like a four on this scale. What's different between being at a four or a one on hunger and fullness scale is I have time now to think about what food do I have on hand? Am I craving anything? How hungry am I? Do I want sweet, salty, savory, sour? Do I want something crunchy, chewy? Um, Do I have leftovers that I can heat up? Do I have something easy? Do I want to bake something from scratch? Do I want takeout? Whereas if I'm at a one, I'm not really able to do that because I'm so hungry. All I can think about is getting my hands on food. So out of four on that scale, when I start eating, that pendulum might only swing to like a six, right? Like it doesn't have as much momentum as it has from a one to a 10. So if a five is neutral, a six is... I'm, 
I'm just starting to get full. Maybe it swings to a seven where, yeah, I am comfortably full. Maybe I could have another bite or two and still be okay. But I know that I'm not stuffed, right? So that's hunger and fullness. And that's really what I'm talking about here in this podcast. So, okay, going back to intuitive eating. (laughs) So again, intuitive eating is we're eating without judgment. We're having a variety of foods, trusting our body signals regarding hunger and fullness, yada, yada. Okay, I never say yada, yada. And for whatever reason, I think I said on the last episode too. (laughs) Where is that coming from? I don't know. Also, I say y'all a lot. I'm not from the South. I don't know where that comes from. So yeah, I think I just start talking differently when I'm on a podcast. That's weird. So moderation. (laughs) Moderation. So when we're talking especially about strict moderation, this can sometimes lead to a preoccupation with food. So this will certainly cause feelings of anxiety or guilt if someone is deviating from like those quote unquote guidelines. Guidelines being, you know, what is moderation to that individual? Okay. It can also create an unhealthy relationship with food because maybe we're categorizing foods as good or bad, potentially triggering disordered eating patterns. So a disordered eating pattern may look like I can't eat during certain times of the day. I maybe restrict myself throughout the whole day until I reach a one on that hunger scale. And then I eat a lot of food all at once. Maybe it's a binge. Maybe it's just eating past a comfortable level of fullness. This also might hinder the ability to just truly listen to our body and its genuine hunger and fullness cues. Typically, the first thing that I work on with my clients is relearning those hunger and fullness cues. Because how can we be a healthy eater if we don't know what we're feeling in our body? And again, when we're thinking about healthy eating, it is so nuanced. It is so subjective. Healthy eating for me is different from healthy eating for my boyfriend, Drew. Healthy eating for my best friend. Healthy eating for my mom, for my dad. Um, it, it's always different. And something that I think diet culture has really forked up for us is this idea that, like, what are healthy foods? I remember when I was wrapped up in diet culture, disordered eating, my eating disorders, I was terrified of eating white rice, white bread, um, tortillas. Um, God, what else? Like a, a, a pita or I, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of some foods right now. Um, and the, the really funny thing is, and, and it's not even funny, is what do all of these things have in common? They are all cultural foods. Diet culture does a really freaking good job of making foods that are not quote unquote the norm, which that's BS, are are bad, right? So instead of eating white rice, we eat brown rice. Instead of eating a tortilla, we're eating these spinach or tomato tortillas that they have at the store or the carb control tortillas. Um, Instead of eating white bread, 
we have to have all of the grains. We have to have um, these like seed breads or whatever the heck is out there nowadays. Or we go into the store and there's like keto bread, which like, is that even bread now? I don't know. So I, I bring that up, even though that's not like specifically what we're talking about right now, but it kind of is like when we're thinking about healthy eating, does that mean we're taking out these foods that are really culturally significant for so many people? Maybe. Is that accurate? Does that mean that white rice is actually bad for us? No, not at all. White rice, brown rice, they can exist in our diet for a multitude of reasons. And maybe that one reason is I like the texture of white rice better, the taste of brown rice better. I like white rice paired with a certain dish better. So food can exist in our life for so many reasons, but diet culture really forks it up. It really changes and messes with our perspective of what it means to be eating healthy. And for so many people that, you know, I'm, I live in Seattle, Washington, so I'm in America. And for so many people that aren't born here, um, they have moved here, they maybe have moved to another country, whatever it is. A lot of the times, those clients that I have go, I felt so guilty for eating my cultural foods because people told me that it was gross, that it wasn't healthy, that it was bad, that I needed to have more fruits and veggies and color into my diet. When that again is so nuanced. So when we're thinking about healthy eating, maybe we think of we need to eat the rainbow. That was something on the my plate that if you remember that from health class, oh my God, <laughs> the my plate. And actually I need to like look this up right now because I haven't looked at the my plate in so long. Basically what the my plate was, it was something that the the government took to use kind of like the um the 60 minutes of play a day type thing to get people to eat quote unquote healthier, to exercise more, to play more, whatever it is. So this my plate, it was just this circle that they had divided up into four where fruits and veggies took up like half of your plate and then grains were a quarter and protein was a quarter. And then there was a little space for like dairy, right? So all these, um, lunchrooms, cafeterias at schools, how to then abide by the my plate, um, all like that you had to serve like a, a chocolate milk or a, or a 2% milk or whatever with your meal. And then you had to make sure that you got X, Y, and Z foods on your plate to be considered a whole plate. Um, and so this, this my plate kind of took us by storm. And I even remember in dietetic classes being told, yeah, make sure you tell your clients to eat the rainbow because you need to have all these different colors on your plate because all these different colors have different vitamins and minerals in them, our nutrient benefits. And yes, that's true that certain colors in fruits and veggies provide different vitamins and minerals. But also so much of our food is fortified with these vitamins and minerals. So if I am super stressed 
about adding more color to my plate because I think that that's what it means to be a healthy eater. Is that actually healthy if I'm super stressed and anxious about food and my meal? Or does sticking with the cultural foods because maybe there's really great memories associated with it because I feel like I'm back at home because I really like the taste, the texture of the food, the smell of the food. And those can still have vitamins and minerals and nutrition benefits in them. So when we're looking at this intuitive eating again, I'm like out of breath. I was just getting into that. Intuitive eating is that mindful approach to food where we're emphasizing this attunement to our body's needs and signals. We're promoting eating needs based on hunger, fullness. There's no more rigid rules on moderation. And instead of restraining or moderating uh, specific foods, intuitive eating is encouraging us to honor our hunger and cravings. So we're ensuring we're having overall satisfaction and we're also promoting body trust. And if we are wanting to connect with our cultural roots, we have that ability and autonomy because we're not listening to diet culture anymore. So how does intuitive eating prioritize attunement with one's body over following a a strict moderation or like a strict diet? So it can do this by encouraging us to just listen to our bodies again, respect our hunger and fullness, and then we can respond. How many times have you noticed that you're hungry and then suppress it, ignore it, keep doing what you're doing because you're like, but I just ate. I, I shouldn't be hungry already. Or maybe it's, you know, I just saw a TikTok where this girl was talking about our body messes up hunger and thirst all the time. So when we're hungry, we're actually just thirsty. And then I was like, huh? So I was scrolling through her her TikTok a little bit more. And she was then talked about in like another TikTok of our body is really smart. And sometimes we don't give our body that kind of credit. <laughs> what? Like, that is such a contradiction. We're saying that our body mixes up hunger and thirst, but then we're saying that our body is super smart. Which one is it? What mm, What's going on here? Connect the dots for me, please. So she's right, but not the, not the first video, the second video. Our body is very, very smart. And we are told so many times that, oh, our hunger is actually just thirst. So just go chug a bunch of water and you'll be fine. And yeah, that might delay your hunger because you're filled up on water, but you didn't have any nourishment. So you're probably going to be hungry relatively soon. Or sometimes when we do that, then we start to get kind of bloated because then our belly is so full of fluid. And then we're also hungry on top of that. So our digestion might be off, right? So we are fostering this healthier relationship with food. It's not driven by these rules or external guidelines, but our internal cues again. Okay, so we're allowing for this more flexible and personalized approach to nourishment. So what are those external guidelines again? Let's let's go over some of those. Sorry, I'm not in a good spot. I thought I was like comfortable in this closet. I am not. All of a sudden my back and my butt are like asleep. (laughs) But we will power through. We will persevere. 
So external guidelines. Um, what what do these look and sound like? We gave some examples before, but let's go a little bit deeper into this. So some of these might be, I can't eat after 7 p.m. I shouldn't have more than one serving of dinner. I'm not allowed to have uh, dessert tonight. And I'm bad if I eat cereal for breakfast. Okay, any of those sound like you? Any ones that you would add? Any ones that resonate, don't resonate? Uh, internal guidelines would look and sound like, it's 7 p.m. and I'm hungry. Again, what do I want to eat? I'm not satisfied after one serving. I'm going to go back for seconds. And my stomach doesn't feel great right now. So I'm not sure if I want to have dessert. But I know that I can have dessert if I want it. And that feels good for me right now. That sounds a little different, right? I used to exclusively listen to external factors. If I had a stomach ache, the idea of telling myself that I couldn't have ice cream because it may worsen the stomach ache made me crave it that much more. And then on top of that, I would feel deprived of food, guilty if I ate too much, and constantly have food on my mind. And let me tell you, that sucked. And it was beyond exhausting. And I'm sure some of you listening to this might be feeling that same way or have felt that same way in the past. So this healthy eating, what it really comes down to is you are listening again to your body's cues, your internal cues, and you're honoring those. Because healthy eating doesn't have just one look, doesn't have just one way of eating, doesn't have a certain plate, doesn't have a certain meal plan, macros. Healthy eating goes in with intuitive eating. You're recognizing you're hungry, you're honoring that, and you're eating till you're satisfied and full. So how can intuitive eating contribute to a healthier and more positive relationship with food? And in turn, how does that make your, your eating healthy? right? So intuitive eating is fostering this healthy relationship by promoting self-compassion. We're reducing guilt. We're reducing shame around eating choices. We're encouraging an appreciation for the pleasure and satisfaction that's derived from food. We can reconnect with our innate body's wisdom and we can cultivate this positive, sustainable, and balanced approach to eating. When we are talking about moderation, it typically does the opposite. Moderation, this idea of moderation, is a diet term. It is a type of diet. Have you ever told yourself you can't do something or like your parent or your friend has told you that you can't do something and you wanted to do it that much more? Like if your parent goes, you know, you can't go out to that party tonight teenager you is probably like well screw that I want to go to that party I'm gonna go I'm gonna make that happen it is no different with food but that 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 drive or desire to eat is even stronger with food again going back to the top of this podcast you have a biological drive to eat it is a necessity you need it to live to survive 
So if I'm telling myself I can only eat that food in moderation and let's say that food is chocolate, I am going to think about that food more. I'm going to crave that food more. And it might reach this point where that craving or those thoughts about that food are just too overwhelming. It's too much where all of a sudden I'm like, God damn, I need to have that food now. And I might be lower on that hunger fullness scale. Or maybe it's been so long since I had that food that I eat past that comfortable level of fullness. I eat more of that food than I would have if I would have just allowed it in the first place when I first had that craving. Now, if you think about your diet, what were your thoughts like or your cravings around uh, desserts, chips, um, Chex Mix? I don't know. (laughs) Probably very different than your thoughts around kale, spinach, broccoli, whatever. That's food habituation. We have food habituation in diets with the foods that we are dieting with. But we get really scared when we talk about food habituation in the other sense with those desserts, chips, um, candy, burgers, whatever it is, because we think I am always out of control with those foods. How can I allow myself to eat those foods? Every time in the past when I have allowed myself to eat chips, I've ended up eating the whole bag or I've ended up eating till I felt sick, till I felt really full, till I felt guilty, shame. Food habituation is this process of just kind of being fed up with that food where we go, yeah, you know, like I'm allowing myself to have this chicken, rice and broccoli and I'm noticing now this isn't really what I want. I actually want uh, salmon. I actually want turkey. I actually want tofu. I want a salad. I want a rice bowl. Same thing happens with those off-limit foods. If you allow yourself to eat ice cream every single night, what do you think is going to happen? Is the initial reaction, I'm just going to overeat it. I'm going to feel out of control. I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel shame. That might happen for the first couple days. Sure. But by day seven... If you're only eating like vanilla ice cream, are you going to get tired of that? Maybe. Probably. I've done this exercise with so many of my clients. And by the seventh day, they're like, yeah, I actually didn't have ice cream. Instead, I had, um, I I don't know, I had some chocolate. Instead, I, I was still craving something sweet. Um, but I did like a, a peanut butter, uh, chocolate mix. I don't know. I can't think of foods right now. (laughs) I'm like sitting in this closet and it's just like dark in here and I can't really think of food, but I think you're getting the picture. I hope you're getting the picture. So that food habituation, it's not just for those quote unquote healthy foods. It is for all foods. But diet culture doesn't really tell us that. Diet culture doesn't want us to believe and understand that we have unconditional permission to eat. Healthy eating includes nutrient-dense foods. It also includes enjoyable foods, cultural foods, foods for celebration, for comfort, for joy, for everything. All foods fit in our diet. And we're going to continue to talk about this as this podcast continues because it is such, 
as I've said, a nuanced concept, but it is so necessary to talk about. So that's all that I have for you for today. And what I would really encourage to just kind of think about at the end of this podcast is what does healthy eating mean for you? And has that idea shifted at all after you've listened to this? Are there any things that you know, you feel like you're still holding on to? Are there any beliefs that still feel like they hold really true and you can't imagine any other way of eating or thinking about food? And if you have anything that's on your mind, please feel free to reach out to me. I love obviously talking about this stuff. I know a whole podcast on it. You can DM me, you can email me, all of that is in the show notes. And uh, of course, I am here to, to chat and um, it's been it's been nice chatting with you guys. I, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this podcast. And if you have any topics or ideas of things that you want me to share, again, please reach out and let me know. Um, but other than that, you guys, I look, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.